A family business founded in 1977, Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven is an award-winning garden and lifestyle destination. Find an unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments at our stores in Lachlan Bridge, County Carlow and Kilquade, County Wicklow. Arboretum.ie Tuesday nights from 6 until 7 on KCLR. This is The Garden Show with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie Hello and welcome along to The Garden Show with myself, Paul Smith. It is a beautiful day. Talk about a better day to be in the garden. The sun is shining, uh, the lights are blue and the birds are singing. Uh, compared to this time last week when it was absolutely horrible outside, it really is uh, time to go out and enjoy your gardens. We have lots happening here tonight. We have a couple of different guests here. We've got Dave Hardy from Esker Farm Daffodils up in the north. He's going to talk a little bit about daffs, about bulbs and about all to do with them in your garden and how to grow them. I'm going to be up north as well. It's a bit of a northern team this week. Um, I was up north helping Dermot Gavin, the garden designer, uh, well-known garden designer. He's building a garden up there and I did a small interview with him and just got what he was up to in his latest tricks. Also, later on, we have Eamon Wall from the Arboretum who's going to come in and talk to us about lawns, lawn care and everything you'll ever need to know about your lawns. But starting off first, I thought I'd go over and do a little bit about, uh, not gardening news as such, but Joe Biden last week when he was visiting Ireland uh, brought to mind the idea of shamrocks and Paddy's Day and this whole notion of shamrocks and uh, I call this kind of pub quiz trivia, good to know these things. So shamrocks uh, just to talk about them, they're not just one plant. Shamrock is kind of an umbrella term for a whole load of different plants, refers to a couple of different things. The most common one that's actually sold are wood sorrel or white clover. We've actually got a grower down in Kerry believe it or not, that grow wood sorrel and sell them and because it's easy to cultivate inside and out, that's the reason why wood sorrel is the one that's used and marketed and that's what they bring over to America, to the President on St. Patrick's Day, that big basket of wood sorrel to give him. Um, four-leaf shamrocks, by the way, uh, four-leaf clovers, I guess they're called, are quite rare and also traditionally lucky. Uh, there's only one every 10,000 or so uh, of the clovers that are around are actually a four-leaf clover, so they're a hard thing to find. And of course, uh, the clover was used by St. Patrick um, to show the Holy Trinity when they were there. Uh, but in the garden, clover isn't necessarily something that you want. Uh, well, maybe, depends what you're doing. Clover is a great plant. It fixes nitrogen. It has this amazing ability to take nitrogen from the air, make it available to the ground. Uh, when you have lawns, people who like their lawns to look really amazing, not always huge fans of clover, but uh, later on when I talk to Eamon, we might talk a little bit about that and explain a bit more about clover and other weeds in the lawn. Uh, great plant, very good to have. Now we're going to go head over to Esker Farm Daffodils up in the north of Ireland. And is Dave there on the line? Hello, Paul. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? How are you doing? Not too bad. Not I'm too doing bad. very well, thank you. It's not just myself, it's um, Jules is here as well, so you've got the both of us. Oh, brill. The two of you are there. So Dave and Jules Hardy uh, from Esker Farm Bulbs up in the north of Ireland. Is it a beautiful day with you as well, or has the sun decided to go back in? It is a beautiful day. The sun has been shining. I've spent the whole day out in the field, um, enjoying the daffodils and cutting flowers for um, the show um, that we have this weekend. Great. Uh, so you basically are in the middle of a daffodil farm and this must be like Christmas week for you at the moment. It must be just gorgeous out there, is it? It is this week. Uh, the last few days um, has, has been glorious. Um, last week, however, um, it was it was horrible. The <laughs> wind was blowing, um, there was rain, there was hail. It was awful. But uh, this week, the 
sun is shining and it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah, absolutely. I even noticed in the garden at home, uh, daffodils, tulips, peonies, they all got snapped in that horrible wind last week. Uh, one of just the casualties of gardening, unfortunately, but it happens. Uh, so just to fill in people, where are you guys? Who are you? And what do you do? I suppose. So there's a few things to answer. Uh, yes, we are based in Tyrone and we are mainly daffodils, but we are spreading out into more other plants, um, various bulbs and things, um, started off with daffodils and to try and spread throughout the rest of the year we were adding other things like um, anemones, uh, tulips, snowdrops um, and any, lots of things, yeah. just We're trying to build collections of things and basically build along the line of if it grows in our garden and it's left unattended, it'll grow in your garden. So, that's the I like the sound of that. I think there's a lot of people listening that uh, want plants like that. So that's good to hear that somebody is growing yeah. them and testing them in their gardens uh, in this country, which is important because uh, often things in a catalogue look great, but uh, yeah, you need to be tested before you can be sure that they grow here. Um, so that well, that's is, one thing here it can grow because we're Tyrone with almost a foot in Fermanagh, so we're very, very wet here. So any bulb that can survive here unless you are a, a desert climate or very, very, very cold, it should survive with you. Great. Good to know that you've got uh, all bases covered there. So I know you just said that you grow lots of other bulbs, but your main speciality, not your only thing, but your main, I guess, bulb or plant that you grow are daffodils. What got you guys into growing daffodils? Was it something that you always wanted to do? It uh, seems an unusual. <laughs> <laughs> How did that come about? Well, we um, we're both originally primary school teachers ah. and um, we it was uh, um, I ended up getting into daffodils as um, purely by accident really uh, I joined my local garden society group and would, would go along to the meetings and the different talks and so on and then the, the Northern Ireland daffodil group were having the lecture of the year and there was a famous um, bulb grower that was coming over from um, Latvia to speak to the group. And um, Fermanagh Garden Society needed um, somebody to go up and represent our society at the at the lecture of the year. So I volunteered to go along and um, all keen and eager, went up, listened to the talk, um, loved it, found it really, really interesting, came away and decided that I was going to um, get myself a few bulbs to enter the local show. And first of all, bought a beginner's pack, 10 bulbs, and that got me started. And that first year, um, I had 10 flowers, took one of, a couple of them along to the show, entered the show, and then after that, at that point, I was then hooked. Um, <laughs> got, a, got a prize, got a ribbon from the show, and then that hobby of 10 bulbs that increased to a few extras, and then it just progressed and progressed on from that and we now have a couple of hundred thousand bulbs in the field now so it's 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 a hobby really i, I always think it's a hobby that got out of hand it's got really out of hand <laughs> it's gone escalated yeah. into <laughs> of all proportions but uh, what a fantastic hobby and what a great way to be able to turn your hobby into your business as well i uh, guess a dream for lots and lots of people you mentioned there about shows and uh, just to explain to people Daffodils are shown. Uh, so, uh, just one question I had for you guys: Is it true that all daffodils are yellow? But I think you know a bit more about daffodils than I. So, no. yeah, <laughs> that was one thing actually that Dave came back from the 
the Northern Ireland, the meeting that he was talking about that kind of got him interested. Um, it was the winter of 2010-11 when there was the really hard frost and freezing cold. Our little Theo was only a few months old at the time. Um, I was at my cousin's. He was supposed to be back. And the first thing he walked through the door saying was, daffodils aren't just yellow. Um, a few other things went through my mind, including divorce at that moment, because we'd been sitting waiting, thinking, you know, we'd gone over the hedge, um, couldn't get hold of him. But no, daffodils aren't yellow. Most people assume a daffodil is yellow, but we have white, we have yellow, we have orange, we have pink, we have green, we have autumn flowering as well as spring flowering. So there really is a daffodil for all occasions. The only one that you don't get is blue. That's the elusive colour. That's what people are always looking for. So maybe in the future in the breeding programme, possibly. But at the moment, no. But as far as other colours, you can get a multitude of colours and no daffodils aren't just yellow. Wow, there you go, a blue daffodil. There's a novelty, um, <laughs> it's a different one. Uh, but just speaking about them and daffodils, how easy are they to grow? I mean, we see them everywhere. Are they as foolproof as we hope and expect them to be? Um, you who grow tens of thousands of them up there. They are indeed. Uh, as long as you follow just a, a few simple rules. So obviously planting time um, is getting them in, obviously, the right way up. Um, so point your way up, roots down, like most things. Um, you want them planted about two of the size of the bulb, about two or three. If you were put, putting them on top of each other, um, you want them about two bulbs deep, two to three bulbs deep. Um, they right. don't want to be in um, really, really wet ground. So you don't want it where it's lying water. They're not they're going to obviously rot off. But they are fairly forgiving if you're in a fairly heavy clay or sandy soil. They, they, they grow in most things. And then the key thing is after the flowered is to allow them to die down naturally. Yep. Uh, lots of people make the mistake um, of just cutting them off straight away. As soon as they've gone over, they cut, they cut the flower off, they cut the, the, the foliage away, and it's leaving them to die down a, a, for as long as you possibly can because the, the foliage, they're almost like the solar panels that are feeding the bulb for, um, for the next year. So the longer you can get, give them, the more energy that's going down into that bulb, into that battery, as is, um, that's feeding the bulb and feeding the flower for next year's flower. Yep, that's so important. Um, I keep saying it to people, if you want your bulbs to be really, really good, do not touch them. Dave and Jules Hardy, I'm going to come back to you guys from Esker Farm Daffodils just after this quick break. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie Quality ingredients make quality paint colour. That's why to us at Colour Trend, green is never just green. It's sweet caper made to withstand everyday scuffs and spills or standing tall, which reflects the sun but never fades. It's the perfect green that stays perfect. Colour Trend, a world of quality in every colour. Whether it's in the cupboard, under the bed or down the side of the couch, if you can find your smartphone, you can trade it in for an average of 130 euros at Vodafone where we'll recycle and repurpose it. Good for your pocket and the planet. Search Vodafone Trade-In or visit your local Vodafone store to find out more. So, where's yours? Vodafone, together we can. Trade-In is subject to trading in an eligible device. Average trade-in value is €130. For full terms, see Vodafone.ie forward slash terms. 
The Garden Show on KCLOR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie Hello and welcome back. Uh, online here I have Dave and Jules Hardy. If anyone has any questions to do with gardens or daffodils, as ever, text in to the KCLR text or WhatsApp line 083-306-9696. Guys, before the break there, we were just chatting about how important it is to not touch your daffodils. Um, and we were mainly chatting about daffs. I'm going to, one more question about them before I move on to more bulbs generally. Apart from being a decorative thing, do daffodils have other uses? Have we as humans found other uses for them? Yeah, um, quite recently there's been a few studies into uh, a component that's found within the bulb, um, galantamine. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a few surveys on it to help with Alzheimer's. Um, It won't cure Alzheimer's and it won't stop Alzheimer's, but there definitely is a link to if it's been used early enough um, that it won't help. It will help to slow down mild and moderate symptoms. Um, so it's very interesting that there is that research going on. Obviously, it's um, very early stages yet, um, but we have been contacted by um, a professor who's trying to do a paper into it. So he's going to be researching different bulbs to see which ones have got the highest uh, amount of galantamine that's going to be easily extracted. I mean, it could be something that's not financially viable, but um, it's quite interesting that there is that medical link to yeah. it. You know, it kind of goes back to the age-old adage that there's a cure for everything somewhere in the, in the natural world. Yeah, it's amazing what plants can do and something as, you know, normal and as standard as a daffodil can have the cure for something as complex as that. It's uh, it's fascinating. Really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so just then, going back to more basics, uh, you guys know more about this than I. What exactly is a bulb? You say in Esker Farm you don't just grow daffodils, you grow lots of other bulbs. But very, very quickly, what is a bulb, just for people who are listening? Well, a bulb, it's it's like, if you think about it, it's, it's, the, it's the body of the plant. It's the energy source. Um, it's where um, everything... The, the daffodil and other bulbous plants, it's the, the main, as I said, it's the, it's the energy part of it all. It's like the battery, and that's where all the energy is stored. And and then from that, you get the flower coming out of it. Um, so it's the it's the body that lives under the ground. So um, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like a battery. Yeah, but the yeah. big thing about it is you can plant it and forget about it, and it doesn't matter if the ground gets stood on while it's underneath. Um, as long as it's got the, the space to grow when it's time for it to come through, unlike maybe a shrub or a tree, you need to be mindful of it above the ground when it's not flowering. But the, the bulb is great. You plant it, forget about it. Sometimes that's the nice thing. You forget about where you have planted stuff. And then when they start to flower this time of year, you're pleasantly surprised when you go, oh, yeah, there's that nice snowdrop or um, Aqualegia, whatever it happens to be, all coming up. Not Aqualegia because they're mostly, but yeah, yeah. Uh, things that you don't expect. I mean, a lot of us, uh, especially beginner gardeners, we put things in bulbs in the autumn and we totally forget. And then it's a lovely surprise to have. And as you say, they are pretty much bulletproof. They're a great thing to put in, forget about, and pretty much guaranteed they'll come back year on year. And sometimes the less you do to them, the more likely they are to come back. Um, and speaking of that, the best time to plant bulbs, uh, that is generally the autumn time for spring stuff, right? Yes, yeah. 
Um, if you're wanting colour now, uh, you need to be planting, thinking about that in the autumn time. And likewise, if you are wanting more late summer uh, autumn colour, then you need to be planting that in the springtime. So you're sort of always looking six months ahead as a gardener. You're you're planting with a lot of hope that you're going to get to see the colour um, in the, the six months time. But yeah, autumn time is when you are planting. So at the minute, we have our order books open so anybody ordering now, they won't get their bulbs until September, October time when it's time for them to be planted because we need the time to, well, they're still growing here in our field at the moment. So we'll need the time to lift them and clean them, count them and do all the bits that we need first before they're sent out. But yeah, plant them into the ground, plant them into a pot, plant them into a bed, wherever you want to plant them and they'll they'll do their own thing. Great. And the other great place, of course, to plant them, uh, particularly daffodils, but pretty much every spring bulb in particular, are in lawns. And again, uh, it brings us back to that thing of do not cut your grass if you have daffodils or any bulb in them. But they do really well in lawn and kind of meadow situations, don't they? They do indeed. And um, we were very fortunate. We came down to um, um, Belfield um, to when you had the open day, the snowdrop day. Um, and the lawns out the front of Belfield were just a, a cacophony of different bulbs and different colours. And, and that's the great thing with lawns. A, a, a lawn, a green lawn has its place, but really if you can plant lots and lots of bulbs and um, other plants through it, it just adds so much interest. Um, it's great for um, the wildlife and insects. Great, yeah. Um, you get adds real lots of interest. And you can really spread that that interest over a long period of time. Um, we have an area um, alone um, in the garden. We call it our um, licorice all sort bed <laughs> because it's full of different things. So you've got the snowdrops coming out, and then once the snowdrops uh, are going over, you've got crocus then coming out. Daffodils are coming through now, and then we've got lots and lots of species tulips that are going to come through in the coming weeks after the daffodils have started to go over. So um, you can add real interest. You could have a good few months of interest when they're planted through through the lawn. Yep, and, absolutely. And really adds uh, lots of colour. They're a great thing to get uh, months and months of interest. Bulbs are fantastic for that. Anyone who wants to have a look at what Dave and Jules have on their website, they're at Esker Farm Bulbs um, and their Instagram as well is a great place. They're always putting up some great pictures. Dave and Jules, thank you so much for coming on and talking through daffodils with us here today on The Garden Show. Thanks. Now, we're going to head over and have a quick look. Uh, this week, I was up helping uh, garden designer Dermot Gavin on one of his latest projects up in Belfast. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. A family business founded in 1977, Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven is an award-winning garden and lifestyle destination. Find an unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments at our stores in Lachlan Bridge, County Carlow and Kilquade, County Wicklow. Arboretum.ie So I'm here in Newton Abbey, just outside Belfast, and I've nabbed Dermot Gavin. He's asked me up here to help him a little bit for the week and just pulled him aside to ask him, what is it you're doing exactly? We're building a garden for the upcoming coronation of uh, King Charles III and Queen Camilla, which happens on the 6th of May. So we're in a remarkable lo- kind of seaside location, coastal location, overlooking Belfast Lock in this kind of ribbon park, very traditional, almost Victorian Edwardian park. And we're turning 
what was a bowling green and a bowling pavilion into a new garden and restaurant. And you are building what can only be described as a crown in the middle of this uh, ex-pavilion. Um, it's extraordinary uh, and it's vast in scale. You really have to look at photos to understand it. But uh, what is it exactly? What brought about this idea, I suppose, for the... When the royals used to come to Ireland 150 years ago, when they used to come to the island of Ireland, there was a tradition of councils around the country from Belfast to Cork to Dublin creating um, features, temporary features, triumphal arches. And these were massive constructs. So they'd been made for ca- from canvas, wood and paper mache. And they looked like the Arc de Triumph. And you'd have soldiers up on top of them. And they were so ornate. And they were, you know, the words Cade Mila Fulcher was really... And the carriage with Queen Victoria, her son, would go travel under. And thousands and thousands of people would turn out to uh, wave them on. So it's inspired by that idea. If you're going to do something to mark a royal occasion, go big or go home. So we've gone to Newton Abbey. <laughs> You've certainly gone big. Um, it's it's mad, but it's kind of nothing less than I'd expect from you. And I've worked with you for a number of years and I know you know, I know you do and lots of people will have known your various projects throughout the years, uh, starting in the Chelsea Flower Show and different things. And you do like, you. I suppose you like a project where you can actually display that creativity and do these things that maybe in our own gardens we might be a little bit more restricted and more conservative about doing. It's a public feature and you have to know what you're aiming for. It's a different society up here in, in the north than where we live. And in parts of this society, people won't all feel the same about, you know, their government, ruling power, or, or royalty, or, or whatever. So you have to identify what you want to do if you're creating a public garden that is marking such an occasion. It's the only way I was commissioned to create a big garden because there was such an occasion. So my idea here is to unite everybody and make them smile. And to make people smile, you have to be kind of ABBA on steroids, camp over the top, totally OTT. It's what royalty is all about. It's what crowns are all about. It's what orbs are all about. But we want to add that extra element in. We want to make people smile. So it's a garden that is planned to captivate from the youngest to the oldest whatever their feeling is they'll look at this thing and I think you can't help but smile and speaking of helping people smile and in this not far from here last year you were commissioned to build the clockwork garden in Antrim Castle Gardens and I helped you on that as well and that is I mean the planting alone is chocolate box it's an amazing folly in the middle of this space Um, and then of course it has this amazing feature um, which well you can explain yeah, it's a garden we did at the Chelsea Flower Show in 2016. So it's the, this feature garden that looks pretty and Edwardian and cottage gardeny and very home counties. And then every 15 minutes it has this surprise. Um, you hear um, Gene Wilder singing Pure Imagination and then you hear some rustling in the undergrowth and box balls begin to bob. So Topri, you know, does tricks bob up and down, bay trees twirl around and then a whole area of planting around the folly moves and then the roof of the folly and all, all this sort of thing. So it's just fun, isn't it? It's Edwards, it's popular culture. It's um, all those movies, it's Edward Scissorhand, all brought together in one thing and because it doesn't look as if it should move, it all looks illogical. 
people just stare at this thing and they stare at it and then eventually they smile. And even the kids who you'd expect to run amok are so captivated because it's not digital. It does judder into movement. Um, it's very kind of wind up. The mechanics are hidden underground. There's a lot of electrical engineering and, you know, a year later it's still working. And you like to do that in a garden, uh, make people stop, make them think, and occasionally, I suppose, make them gasp in horror and excitement and joy, which is what that garden does in buckets. I like to do all different types of things in gardens. So I do like also just to build contemporary gardens. I like to build beautiful gardens. But when you have the opportunity to say something or bring people together, you have to begin to understand what what would that mean in this particular place it's a new idea new ideas especially in gardens scare people so how do you get over that initial and and relax you want the audience just to relax there's no um you know there's no hidden message it is just what uh it is and it is something about the joy of being outside and remember that's three minutes of a 15 minute cycle for the other 12 minutes it's just a beautiful garden. Now, this won't get away with just being a beautiful garden because it's so OTT. But I think it'll entertain people, even when not moving. Um, well, and it's a beautiful space. So not only have you put in, you know, these amazing engineering and decorative uh, folly, basically, in the centre of this, but it's surrounded by, we've just spent the last couple of hours placing out literally 3,000, I think, plants from Kilmurray, Wexford, Kilmurray Nursery down in Wexford, uh, herbaceous perennials. And it's a chocolate box of colour and also amazing specimen plants that you've got over from Europe too. Oh, it's been that dream project, isn't it, that, you know, we as gardeners or garden designers, it comes around once in a lifetime. So I was able to go to on, on a road trip to Europe to all the nurseries that I've been visiting maybe for 20 years I was able to pick the best. I was able to bring them over and plant them here with a great team. So it's just, Paul, there's nothing but joy in this project. Um, And the project keeps getting bigger uh, because the area we're standing in now just outside the garden has become the entrance garden. We're filling that with rhododendrons from County Wicklow. So it's, to use these plants, to use these ideas, to work with the particular crew of creators, whether they're digging in the garden or fabricating the steel elements. It's, it's a delight. Well, you've certainly, uh, as the theme of this garden, hopefully will be, brought a bit of sunshine to this part of the world. Uh, thank you very much. The machines have just started. This is a very active building site, so we better get back to do a bit of a planting. But Dermot Gavin, thanks a million for joining. Great to see you, Paul. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie And welcome back to The Garden Show. Uh, Now, we have every week on The Garden Show a slot where the team at the Arboretum come out here to us in KCLR and they go through a topic or two relevant to what's happening in the garden at this time of year and questions that you listeners have been sending in to us. Uh, Today, we've got Eamon Wall, the plant manager in Lachlan Bridge, and he's here to talk about lawns. Uh, Not either of our favourite subjects, I must say, but lots of you like lawns, lots of you have lawns, and if you do have any questions regarding your lawn or anything else garden-related, as ever.
whatever, send it into the KCL or text or WhatsApp line 083 306 9696. Eamon, welcome along. Thing. Uh, good evening, Paul. Thanks. So I've said that there, and I think it's fair to say neither of us are huge fans of lawns. Uh, they're not our number one uh, topic to be here talking about tonight, are they? <laughs> yeah, I think the thing with lawns is that many people want them, but they don't want the work that's involved. Mm-hmm. And if you want a good, nice green lawn, you have to put a little bit of work into it. Uh, many people tend to look for a lawn when they're going to have a, a wedding or a christening or some event and they want it for the barbecue to look good, uh, but they don't want to put the work into it. Now, you can have low maintenance lawns, and I think a little more often than just when, when, it, when there's a problem, people t- tend to lawn when something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, it is the classic. Yeah. Uh, the last house I rented over in the UK before I came back to Ireland, uh, the uh, landlady was going, telling the whole village that they had this gardener there and it was great and the little cottage garden was going to be beautiful and she had to write me a letter to say, would you please cut the lawn in yeah. front of the house because I had zero interest and yeah. I was kind of managing it differently is what I told her, but that was not, that was in the contract, I was told. But uh, we do love lawns here. We do, yeah. They do grow well here. We're lucky, yeah. I guess, yeah. that you know we grow grass very well in this country. Ireland is renowned worldwide for its green grass. And yep. because we have the beautiful climate, we have plenty of rain. Yep, and yep. that's the key thing. Uh, just regarding the lawns, is the is like is picking the right lawn seed for when you for what lawn you're going to put down. So mm-hmm. uh, people love that Wimbledon look, the stripes and. Uh, that lovely uh, manicured lawn but that takes a lot of work so years ago you used to say you had a lawn seed which was number one number two was for to say immunity number three was say for football rugby so what they've done with seed now they've done, done a lot of uh, hybridising in seeds and cross cross breeding seeds so they have strong grasses that will suit uh, tough wear and tear and ones that are low maintenance so it's a multi-purpose lawn seed probably is the one that fits most yeah and that's a good point to make sure if you are putting a lawn down to buy good yeah. quality lawn seed yeah. like anything you know you're only buying it once it might be a bit yeah. of an investment but you're going to be looking at that grass for 20 30 40 even maybe you know 50 years you may exactly, never yeah. ever go at it again so yeah. so picking the picking the right one so if you if you're really into your garden and you're going to put a lot of care into it, go go for the, the the classic you know the the high maintenance lawn but it will take a lot of care so I think generally if you have the children playing on the lawn just go for the ordinary immunity lawn and you get that mix and then you can uh, break it down into one for shade for drought so they've bred different lawn seeds that will tolerate a bit of shade that will tolerate drought uh, then we have fast acting lawn seeds mm-hmm. uh, usually temperatures uh, around 10 degrees but the fast acting will start growing at 7 degrees so again that's through bre- select breeding of seeds so there is pretty much a lawn for every. There is you, you can you, you can get to. a lawn seed to suit everything. And there is also uh, you know we're not a fan of them. So let's talk a little bit about alternatives to lawns. Um, there's lots out there. It's yeah. not just lawns you have to put out in your garden, is it? Yeah. Well, for instance, you can use uh, lawn chamomile, the Roman chamomile, which is is non-flowering chamomile, and again when you walk and you get that fragrance, mm-hmm. uh, you can get say uh, thymus. Time as uh, a film, which is a nice low compact again for and again aromatic when you walk them. So you don't always have to have different way of looking at it. You know that way. Yeah, yeah. A lawn is basically just a, a, a monoculture. Yeah, 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 it's just exactly. one crop that's grown in a place. So it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be just grass, as you say. Time now situations like that tends to be smaller lawns that Small, are a bit more yeah. manageable. Yeah. So now yeah. again, you can always use your your, your your sedums, which are great for carp, and you'd often see uh, where. where this, uh, this, say graveyards and disused places that uh, seed will take over and they'll actually put a very fine carpet and they practically live in fresh air. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're you know ideal for especially as our yeah. summers get drier too and we yeah. have more. Uh, you know, uh, Sue was on earlier and they were talking about the weather being so fantastic this yeah. summer and our lawns suffer when we have a good winter or a yeah. good summer, I should say, um, and that's always a problem as well. Uh, I think I think the care of the lawn is is how people treat the lawn and how you've got to adapt for the weather conditions. So when when the weather is 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 very 
hot and dry, you don't cut the lawn the same height. You go higher with the, with the lawn. So uh, I've seen people and they just do the one cut. So even after the, the first cut, it's a skin lawn and they're, they're pushing and shoving. You see all that hard work. Instead of rise it up, take take the weight off the lawn, come back the second cut. I call it the lazy person's cut. So if you're going to do one cut, it's going to take you twice as long. So, And again, cutting the lawn, it's better cut it twice a week then the one heavy cut and then you're pushing it and the lawn's getting clogged up and absolutely you know, so yeah, it's ha- yeah. how you do it so adjusting how you cut the lawn according to the season so if it's drought go higher and starting off early in the season bring your blades up again and also making sure that the blades of the lawnmower have been sharpened yeah you'll often see the symptoms where they say oh the tips of my grass is going brown well it's usually something can be frost if, it, if it's uh, in the winter or it's yellow and it could be too wet or then if you can if it's cutting it it strays the ends and then it goes it's like 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 split hairs yeah. And that's a sign that the, the lawn, lawn blade needs sharpening. It needs a bit of maintenance. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, that lawnmowers are important too. And, you know, this whole thing of do we pick up the grass clippings or do we leave the grass clippings? That's one My, of these ongoing yeah, debates. Ongoing. I would say pick up. Yeah. Uh, some people, because what it does, it builds up. If you leave it, it builds up what we call a thatch. And then that creates, that provides a nice moist condition uh, for, for what we call moss. And the biggest problem with lawns in Ireland is that we have such moisture uh, content is that is that you get a lot of moss on the lawns, no matter how yeah, good yeah. you look after it. So there's ways of preventing moss. And I think uh, the two things that go hand in hand problems with the, with the lawn is weeds and moss. Yeah. And it's usually down to, say, the cultural care of that you're actually not feeding enough. Uh, and again, that brings brings problems. If you're not feeding, the grass is not grown. So then what happens? The weeds get in, they get established. I, I heard you mention earlier on about clover, yeah. which clover fixes a legume, fixes its own nitrogen. So the, when you get clover grown in the lawn, it's a sign that you're not maintaining the lawn. Because if you were feeding and give it nitrogen, it would, what do you call it, it would stop it, grow, stop it growing. Because yeah. it doesn't like high nitrogen. It likes to grow in soils that are poor in nitrogen. And you'll often see in your lawn, if yeah. you have patches of clover, it'll yeah. be greener. The bit yeah. of lawn that is, yeah. it'll be a greener leaf because it's better. It's getting a bit of extra yeah. nitrogen. But it's, it's nature's t- crying out, said, feed me. Yeah. That's basically what it's saying. You're not feeding the lawn, so you have that problem. Again, cutting the grass too short is the number one problem with, with weeds and clover. Yeah, that's a big one. I'm going to have to disagree with you there, though, about yeah. your picking up the grass. So yeah. I'd be yeah. all for using a mulching lawn more because yeah. I hate picking up grass. Yeah. I mean, I hate cutting grass generally, but picking it up just makes it a whole other slug. It's, it's a whole lot of work. So yeah. I say if you, uh, my brother has is on two and a half acres, so, he, yeah, so he's not going to pick it up. So I'm on, I have a very small one, so I pick up, he just mulches it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I should say in context to what you, like you don't expect someone to have a, a large lawn. They're not going because you'd be going back and forward, and, and then you have to get rid of that, you know, building up and and it turns uh, into this big rotten, messy, big, slimy big, pile, big mess. Yeah. yeah. So again, now the thing with moss is how we tr- how we get rid of it and kill it, mm. and that's so things have evolved. Uh, the lawn Hessian expert years ago, they would never dream of saying what what a chemical like say Mobactin, which is a bacteria works about say just above twelve degrees. Pop it onto the lawn, and it actually digests the bacteria eats the moss so there's no wow. back you're not you're not back raking the, the lawn out uh, the traditional way was sulfate of iron spread it on turn the lawn uh, the moss black then it was awful looking you had to rake it out yeah. um, because I have uh, dogs I would never dream of using sulfate of iron because uh, first I'd have to keep the dogs off off the lawn then you have the problem then is that if the, if the dogs walk on it you walk on it you bring the sulfate of iron out from the lawn and then you can yeah. stain your you say you have limestone or granite or if you walk paving. on your paving yeah, yeah. you have these patches of patches orange of, yeah, which nobody wants and yeah. the worst thing you can do if that's wet then you'll have, you'll have the iron rust stains on it so uh, I, I just think that th- these these chemicals now which are what you call digestive the, the moss are brilliant 
and there are great inventions. So, so te- that's technology breathing again, and and that's saving that whole process. The whole process, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it also feeds the lawn at the same time. So I, I use myself the Mobactrin. I find it's a great one. Feeds for a hundred days, and it digests the moss, and it's easy to apply. Easy apply, and then it's, it's it's what they call animal safe. So you, and then again, you don't have to put the kids can go straight on the animals. So you love something like that. You don't have to worry about having problems. Yeah, we're all for making life a little like bit life easier. Life easy, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, the other thing to look at as well is wildflower lawns um, and just a small bit about them and what they entail and how to create one of them in your garden. Yeah, well, it's deciding to pick a, a space where you where you don't want to cut it and leave leave it, leave it alone. Uh, some people have have problems with say dandelions, mm-hmm. and they, they they have a, a thing about them. So uh, again, it's, it's it's making that space where you can just forget about it. Have you have your wildflower seeds? Put them in, and and then again picking the seed that'll suit. So if you have a heavy soil, go to the gardens and pick the mix that likes a heavy soil. And then if you have say a, la- a sandy light soil, pick for that. And again, it's, it's preparing, putting it down. And remember, with with the wildflower lawns, is that you know, don't cut them, especially allow the annuals to go to seed. And it's a big mistake that people want to. Oh, they're getting untidy of the winter there now. I'll cut them down. Wait till you make sure that everything has gone to seed. Otherwise, you won't have your annual seeds for next year. Yeah, so it really is worth. It's all about uh, how you maintain them, much like a normal lawn. Yeah, but the exactly. wildflower lawns are all about the maintenance. The, ma- the maintenance, exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So the same idea. And the other thing, instead of having maybe your whole garden as a wildflower lawn, or having your whole garden as just yeah. a cut lawn, the balance now is to have a little bit of both. You know, have that area where people yeah. are kicking a football, or you want to lie out on yeah. as a nice cut bit yeah. of grass. But if you have enough space, yeah. there's no problem leaving part of your lawn grow into a wildflower meadow and adding that seed to it, or just letting it happen naturally. Yeah, I think it's a great idea, and even being involved with the tidy towns in Carlo. Uh, we find that the, the council are getting people on board so that they don't that day of cutting all the lawns is, is gone yes. so it's leaving that area beside the road the verge letting it go, grow, grow wild letting the dandelions letting the clover all these things where beads are going to be foraging so leave it alone and let nature take its course maybe as you say cut a track through it so you can get around but leave the rest and that's kind of we're basically getting back to rewilding and it's amazing what you find and yeah. it's something I forgot to do it this week but my plant of the week was uh, and I might as well talk about it now yeah. is the cowslip so yeah. primula veris oh, Paris, yeah. uh, and I notice on the side of the M9 I get off at Junction 5 which is a yeah. general Island yeah. and just there on the side of that motorway along by the GA pitch and the roundabout is yeah. covered in cowslips and yeah. that is partly because of the way it's maintained it's not cut as often as it was yeah. and it's basically now turning into this amazing carpet of these cowslips this time yeah. of year it's just magic it's, it's really yeah. cool to see it so yeah. you can do that can't you yeah. by just managing it properly yeah I'm looking beside me there's, there's a small field beside me and it's just let naturally grow yeah. You see the wildflowers; it's just it's just beautiful. Let it go, and it just and it, you size what animals are in that—the birds foraging, blackbirds, and everything—it's beautiful. Just to and that's my little little paradise beside it. It's just left alone. That area yeah, is left nice. to it. And the other thing, of course, kind of tying into this is this no mow may, which is this kind of latest idea that's been floating around. And very simply, that's basically just not cutting your grass for the month, right? Yeah, is that it? Mm, see, it's interesting. <laughs> I think I think in Ireland, I think that would be a problem for for a lot of people. It's kind of like our our OCD that we have to have it look looking good, and then you've got to think about May could be a bit <laughs> if there's what you call communions and things on at the time. They want everything looking good, good point, but, but yeah. it's uh, look. There's no, there's no harm, but when you do cut it, then make sure you don't rise your lawn blades up, start again, and, and and work your way down. Don't just jump into it. Yeah, but what can happen if if you let that? You can get a lot of seed, then can blow away into your garden. So it depends. It depends on the person's, you know, how they view their garden. If they let things more natural, or if you like things very. Yeah, you know, okay. So it is very much dependent on how you want it to is, do it. It is, it is, yeah. It's like looking at daffodils. You know, when, when the daffodils start to die back and people have a hang up, oh my gosh, what, I yeah. want to cut them. And it could be that kind of, you know, so it depends on your, on your, 
how you perceive things. Yes, absolutely. And uh, kind of tying into that too is the whole idea of how often to cut your lawn. And yeah. are you someone who cuts your lawn every week? Should you be doing it, uh, as you said earlier, more yeah. regularly is better yeah. if you want a really good lawn. But often we, we often get people ask the question. Is even today people ask me how how often will I water my plants? Hmm. And I'd say you can't. They'd say is it once a week, twice a week. So you would water, uh, uh, say, depending on the weather, and it's the very same for your lawn. So I'm not going to say once a week or twice a week because you could have what like it's great growth now the last few weeks it's been really, really so you could be cutting the lawn twice a week then if if the, if the weather's really hot and dry you might only cut it every two weeks yeah so go totally by totally depends so it totally yeah. depends on the weather so don't go by go by the height of it and you see it growing and you say oh that's, and the weather's good and get that, again don't go out in the lawn it's after raining for, for two three days it's going to be moist yeah okay and then you don't want to be leaving tracks in it so wait till it dries up and then cut it on a higher cut and, and this time you, of year yeah. is a time where we should be out cutting the ground more and we are we're out oh, yeah, there we're out doing, people have started and yeah. I see the road verges and people are cutting the grass so people are getting out into the garden they're getting that itchy feet to get back in the garden so is it, everyone's flying cutting the lawns yep the weather has improved it so has we improved, are very much yeah. uh, on for it thanks very much Eamon we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be back with a few of your questions and a bit more about lawns okay. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants trees tools and treatments arboretum.ie and welcome back to The Garden Show. I have Eamon Wall from the Arboretum here. We're talking all things lawns and we're going to answer a couple of your listeners' questions too. Now, on the break, uh, Martin here, who helps us with the tech, said something unspeakable. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. <laughs> Which was yeah. that we should be, instead of lawns, just concrete the whole bloody thing. How do you think about that? What's <laughs> yeah, he asked what was the best weed colour and I couldn't dispute his reply saying concrete because I remember many years in college, one of our lecturers asked what was the best weed colour and one of the lads said, yes, concrete. He wasn't too impressed. He got kicked out of the class so there's no dispute and it is the best week <laughs> uh, but kind of time you know talking about that yeah. uh, something that people are doing more yeah. and more of are putting in plastic lawns plastic, yeah. and fake lawns so yeah. that is becoming it and it's not unlike that you kind of are nearly putting yeah. concrete down to get rid of the problem so yeah. joking aside it is yeah it, it, it's, it's the thing and as you yeah. said many people are putting it down now and even mm-hmm. even I went to a horticulture's house and I was sh- shocked I said shame <laughs> on you you've got artificial grass you know that kind of way. and they said look they had their, their kids and they were playing football and they didn't want the maintenance and that kind of thing so it is it's something that's happening, yeah. Yeah, really? yeah. I think the point with it is it has its uses yeah. in certain places, yeah. but just be very careful with it. And, you know, my thing is that there's enough plastic in the world. Yeah, and maybe there's it. something else you can do. You can put gravel or bed decking or paving, yeah, exactly. you know. Uh, exactly. There's yeah. other options to do that if you really, really want to put in a fake lawn. But occasionally there is no yeah, other option. Yeah, you won't is, it, yeah. yeah, fair enough too. And just one final thing too about establishing lawns. We've talked about the problems and how to deal with the moss and, you know, about how to control it and what to do. But when it comes to starting off a brand new lawn, if okay. you have a new guy, garden, uh, most people, you know, smallish garden, yeah. maybe the builders have been in and left you a sort of a rubbish lawn that you yeah. want to improve uh, and you may be thinking of redoing the lawn. So is it better to seed it or to put down turf, would you say, in a new situation? I, look, again, it depends on the budget. So first yeah. of all, I would make sure and dig over the lawn. So get your spade, fork, dig it over. So I remember, like yourself, you say your house, I rented a house in Dublin. When I used to rent houses when I was a student, I always got the job of fixing up the garden and doing the lawn. <laughs> and he said the lawn was going yellow in this call us 
so I dug it up and the, where they had breeze blocks buried and the concrete mix was poured over so you, usually a sign is, ha- is, is what do you call it. you walk around the door make sure they say is this wet or is there something so when you dig it over you might find they've buried a few breeze blocks and that'll be the place where it goes yellow is it waterlogged uh, so preparation a nice fine tilth and now this is the perfect month for sowing loan the best times is April and uh, September yep. so when you've got the warm soil so the time is to do it so dig it over take out all your weeds now traditionally everyone got got on and sprayed the whole thing with glycerate I don't advocate that now I say dig it over and try if you're only doing small one just pull out the weeds leave get a nice fine tilth and then get your grass seed and then it, when, when the grass comes up make sure your, your lawnmower is sharp that's the key thing so when you're doing the first cut cut high and make sure it's sharp because if it doesn't if it's not sharp it'll pull the very fine Lawns, lawns. Yeah, and make sure if you have dandelions growing yeah. in that lawn to go and take a fork and make sure to dig yeah. them out they are the one thing yeah. that will really cause problems exactly so, yeah. and they have a very long tap root so so if you just take the top off they'll actually regrow so there is actually special like an X screw get down pull it out take it out properly yeah. out, exactly. and whether you're putting down seed or turf the yeah. preparation is the same it's so the same, it's not yeah. going to make it easier yeah. to get turf and roll yeah. it out and it's finished yeah. you have to prepare it the same because yeah. if you don't it will really really not yeah. come up well it has the, turf, to the turf is a bit of work doing it and crossing the joints and putting it down and make sure that you have it level as you that you still have to do the same preparation but it just gives you that more instant lawn instant lawn yeah. great and we've one question before we go that's came in about hydrangeas again okay. we love hydrangeas here and yeah. people are always asking yeah. when to prune your hydrangeas um, when the best time is and I guess it all depends on what it is isn't it yeah well as a love of hydrangeas so something okay. I, I have loads of them in the garden so they come in different groups so what we say the mop heads or the macrophilias in fact macrophilias are no man as the lace caps so they're the ones that give you the big flowery heads and they're pruned what you do really prune on those they flower on what we say uh, the current season's growth so the previous season growth is what they flower. So if you prune them late in the year, say after July, you'll lose your flower, flowers for next year. So the rule of thumb, just around say March or April when you see the new buds, just go back to a couple of buds and prune them off. And um, for those, then you have say the peniculatus, which are the, the, what we call the PGs or the cone-shaped flowers, yeah. and they flower on new wood. So I traditionally always prune my back in say November, December, that time when you're nothing else going on in the garden. You can prune them up until February, so they flower on new wood. Unlike the, what do you call it, the, say the mop heads can get top, these are actually very erect, cone shaped, need no props whatsoever. Then you have the arboriensis, which is, say, Annabella's traditional one then, so big flower heads, the size of footballs, and again you prune with those back. In the in the winter, because again they flower on new wood. What I would recommend, Annabelle's and those are great for shaded locations. Uh, give the paniculatus going full sun, and then the macrophyllas or the the mop heads. They like to say not full day sun because they're very hungry, thirsty drinkers. Yeah. So it all depends on what you have basically. So it's th- yep. three main groups, three main ones yeah. there. Great. Well, Eamon Wall, thank you very much for joining us. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to The Garden Show this week. We're going to finish off with a little bit of sunshine. Lots of sunshine out today, so this is Give Me Sunshine. Bring me sunshine in your smile Bring me laughter all the while In this world where we live There should be more happiness So much joy you can give To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy Through the years Never bring me Any tears Let your arms be as warm As the sun from up above Bring me fun Bring me sunshine Bring me love Bring me sunshine Smile 
Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie